Six weeks ago, I got a text from Rebecca, and here's how it goes. Matt, my brother Chris was found unconscious in the driveway. He was rushed to the hospital. The stress was so bad that my mom had an amnesia attack. She doesn't remember anything. They're at the hospital right now. Please pray. <laughs> now, here's the context. I am in I'm on a mission trip in Guatemala. So I actually get this text hours after it's sent because the Wi-Fi is spotty there. I only get it in one room in the hotel that we're staying in. So I read this text message, and I start freaking out. I'm like, I can't believe this. This is crazy right now. He's unconscious. He's in the driveway. He's in the hospital. What's going on? I text Rebecca. I'm getting no response. I call Rebecca. She doesn't pick up the phone. I don't know what she's doing. Rebecca usually picks up. So I'm like, she's smiling over there. She's like, yeah, you know. So anyway, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, what's going on? Now I start assuming the worst. Like, I have no idea what's going on in this situation. I'm scared. I'm like, I'm in another country. Uh, her brother's in the hospital. Her mom just had, like, some kind of episode. Like, what if something happens? What if they're in the hospital when I get back? What if he's on life support? And here I am in Guatemala. I can't do anything. Rebecca's family is suffering, and I'm just stuck here, and I have no idea what's going on. I'm afraid right now. I'm not sure if you've ever had news like that before. You got a text like that or a phone call. Some people in this room, maybe you have had news like that before. The news that when you get it, all of a sudden fear just takes hold of everything. It seems to control everything, how you're thinking and how you're feeling in that moment. Maybe you haven't gotten news like that before, but I bet you've had that feeling before of that type of fear, where all of a sudden it's the only thing you can think about. All of a sudden you jump to conclusions. You assume the worst thing possible. Now, we've been talking about charged. That's been our series, kind of like staying charged in God's presence. We've said that if you can get 100% with God, you can get 100% in anything else. Sometimes we don't really make time to charge up in God's presence because we're like, man, I got so much going on with school, with sports, with my friends right now. Things at home, man, like, man, I'd love to get charged with God, but like, I don't have time. And we kind of stay in low battery mode. That's what we talked about last week. But we said if you can charge, if you can get 100% with God, Man, anything else you do, you can get 100% there. And so maybe you hear this and you're like, yeah, sure. It's easy to say that, Matt. It's easy to say, yeah, if you get 100% with God, you get 100% with everything else. It's easy to say, yeah, I'll charge in God's presence when everything's going fine. But man, when you get a text like that, when you get news like that, if you knew what I was dealing with, it's really not that easy. It's a lot more difficult when you get news like that. Maybe you're here and you're like, man, that's not me. There's no way that I could be spending time charging in God's presence. I don't even know what that looks like. That sounds foreign to me. Maybe you're here and you've let fear control you before. Maybe it's a situation like I had in Guatemala. Maybe it's something else. Maybe you're so afraid of what people think of you that you may actually do things that you would never would have thought you would do. Maybe you find yourself saying yes to something or doing something just because you want to impress somebody. You want somebody or you want that somebody to say, yeah, yeah, you're pretty cool. And so that's a fear of approval. You're so afraid of other people approving you that you're going to compromise and do something. Maybe you've got a fear of missing out. You feel like, man, sure, I'd love to like stay pure. Maybe, yeah, I'd love to be with somebody who kind of like has the same views as God as me. But man, like all my other friends are dating somebody. Like, am I missing out? Like, What if I go through middle school? What if I go through high school and I never had a relationship? I never had a girlfriend. I never had a boyfriend. Man, like, am I missing out? What cutouts could I be part of? And so now you're tempted to compromise and say, you know what? Maybe I'll just kind of be with this person. I think they may like me. I think we may have a shot. I don't know if they're a great person for me, but 
I want to do it. I don't want to miss out. It seems like this is what everyone's doing. Like everyone's asking me, man, why aren't you guys dating yet? Maybe you've got a fear of the unknown. Maybe everything right now is totally fine for you. Maybe everything in life's great. I mean, I'm talking about fear. You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. But if something were to change, you're like, oh no, I wouldn't know what to do with that. Everything's fine right now. Everything's perfect. I like how it is. If something were to change, I wouldn't even know. And so now you've got a fear of the unknown. Like, what does the future hold? What if this happens? What if, and you start uh, jumping to conclusions and you feel like, man, I can't take any type of change. And so fear can control us. It can manipulate us. It can make us compromise. It can take hold of our lives. We could do things we never thought we would done. So, so what do we do? What do we do with fear? How do we make sure we don't let it take control? Well, back to my story in Guatemala, I can't get a hold of anybody. I can't get a hold of Rebecca, right? And I'm like, she's the one who told me about this. It's late at night. There's a time difference. So I think it's like maybe like 1030 at night or something like that in here in New Jersey. And so I decide to call Rebecca's other brother, John. I call John. He picks up the phone. I'm like, oh, man, you know, John, did you hear about Chris? Like, what's going on? Is he okay? Like, is everything all right? Like, he's still in the hospital. And he's like, uh... Yeah, like, he's in the hospital. John's in New York. So he's like, yeah, he's in the hospital. Um, I mean, I think he's doing all right. Like, you know, they said it was dehydration, and uh, they, they kind of got him on some stuff right now. They're making sure he's okay. I'm like, all right, but, like, what about your mom? Like, like she totally, she had an amnesia episode or something. Like, what, what's happening? And he's, he's like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the doctors were like, yeah, the stress caused it, and, you know, they're just trying to let her take it easy. They're both in the hospital right now. But I'm not too worried. I think everything's fine. And I'm like, dude, are you, are you sure? Like, are you serious? Because I'm kind of freaking out right now. He's like, yeah, like, I think it's okay. I mean, if something happens, I'll, I'll send you a text. I'm like, okay, I can't get a hold of Rebecca. And I'm with the phone. A fast forward to the next day, I did get Rebecca on the phone. And guess how she's all about it? She's laughing it up. She's like, yeah, he didn't drink enough water. We told Chris they're making jokes about the whole thing. Like, yeah, he was on the driveway, passed out, right? And I'm like, what about your mom? She's like, yeah, she's fine, right? You know, and I'm like, how are you laughing? I was like seriously panicking. Like, I'm in Guatemala and, you know, whatever. But then I figured it out. It was something that I've actually always known about Rebecca's family. That, sure, they worry when stuff like this happens. But I realized that they don't worry in the same way that other people do. That they're not bothered the way normal people are when they uh, have a situation like this. Because they've had plenty of situations where a normal person could freak out and worry about it. And I figured it out. It's one word, and this is it. Hope. Hope. They figured out that they need hope, and that's what can get them through the situation. Hope is the answer to fear. Now, maybe you're here and you're like, that's pretty cool. I didn't know you were going to say that, Matt. Maybe you're here and you're like, all right, that's probably the lamest word that could have came out of your mouth. You just said hope was the answer. That's pretty stupid. Well, it doesn't matter. Let me define what I mean by the word hope. Here's what I'm talking about. I don't mean hope is not wishful thinking. Like right now, the Yankees are about to start playing in like uh, 15 minutes. The Yankees are going to start playing. It's a wild card game. Tito knows right now, right? So if they lose this game, they're out of playoffs. Like I'm going to be so upset. So I got my Yankees gear on right now. So guess what? I really hope they win. They're not, you know what? Oh, yeah, and I got my hat, too, and I brought my jersey, but I got kind of hot, so I'm not wearing it right now. Anyway, I really hope the Yankees win. I really hope they win because then they're in the postseason, and then they play the Red Sox. It's going to be fun. But that's just wishful thinking. I have absolutely no control, and whether they win or lose doesn't really affect my life. I just kind of like, ah, I hope they win. Wishful thinking. But that's not what I'm talking about when I say hope. And I'm not saying about, oh, hope is not just being optimistic or seeing the silver lining. Well, 
maybe, you know, I know he fell on the driveway, but now he'll know to drink water. Like, I guess there's a silver lining and everything. We all called each other, and we remembered we love each other. Like, yeah, sure, okay, that, that's important, uh, totally. But when I'm talking about hope, that's not what I'm talking about. Not wishful thinking, not optimistic thinking. Hope is a confident expectation. It's an anticipation. At least that's the way the Bible talks about hope. And I believe that's the kind of hope that you can have. When the Bible talks about hope, it means it in this way, and hope can change everything. Hope can change everything. There's a lot I could say, but I'll just leave it there. So here's what I want to do. I want to read an example of of this type of hope in the Bible. It's one sentence. I just want to read one sentence, and I think it has the power to change your life and change what you may be facing right now. Some of you guys, I know what you're dealing with. Some of you guys, I don't know what you're dealing with. What kinds of fears or hurts or anger or anxiety that you may be dealing with right now, things that can drain our spiritual batteries. But I know this, if we talk about this tonight, this can change your life. So what we're gonna read, it's from the book of 1 Peter. So if you have a Bible, you can open it. If not, it's gonna be on the screen. 1 Peter. Peter, if you don't know, was one of Jesus' closest friends. He was a disciple. He wrote this letter. He wrote a letter to a bunch of churches. It was written so a bunch of people could read it. And the churches who read it, they were, they were Christians going under hardship. And so basically that means what we're about to read, it was written for people like you and me, people who were kind of, we're in a school right now. That's why we had this whole everything's weird today. <laughs> but like it becomes a church when we kind of gra- gather together here. There's, a, uh, there's some more church people upstairs too. So like we kind of count as a community of people who are following Jesus. We're like, a, we kind of count as a church and we're going through hardships. Different people here are in different places with what we're dealing with. All of us have fears and anxieties that we're dealing with right now. And so what we're reading is literally written for us. So I don't want you to think like this is just a textbook, like you go to history class, we read about U.S. history. Now we go to youth group, we read about the Bible history. Like it's totally not the same thing. This was written for you, for your life to be different after you hear it. And so I want to read it. This is uh, Peter's introduction basically to the letter. It's one sentence. I just want to read this one sentence and talk about it. So it's going to be on the screen. I'm going to read it. Uh, What's on the screen is the New Living Translation. I'm going to read it in a different one. I'm going to read it in NIV. It's going to be almost the same. Here's what it says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. and his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's it. It's the only sentence I want to talk about. There's more. That's just the intro. That's the first part of the sentence. It goes on. But this sentence has the power to change our lives. It has the power to change how we live. This, this sentence is talking about hope, the hope that we're talking about tonight. Hope, it says it comes from God. Right? It says, uh, praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. He's given us new birth and a living hope. Hope comes from God. It doesn't come from wishful thinking. It doesn't come from trying to see the silver lining. Those things are good. It's okay. But if you want hope that's going to change your circumstances, when I call Rebecca's family, like somebody passed out and they didn't know why, somebody else in their family literally can't remember what's happening, like they have no memory, like that's kind of scary. But, but they had a hope that came from God that helped them to deal with that. So it comes from God. It also says it's given us new birth. Maybe you're here today and you're like, man, it'd be cool to have like that kind of hope in God, Matt. Like I hear what you're saying, but like I've never had that before. Or, like I don't know how to get there or like that's not really me. Like I don't think I can do that. I just don't think I can get it, me and God and the whole hope, whatever you're talking about. Like sounds like that's you, it's not really me. But that's the whole thing. It's saying God has given us a new birth. Or we're born again. Maybe you've heard that before in church. That comes from another translation. Born again. Or, or like that we're a new creation. That's the whole point. The hope comes from God and we change. You can't 
come up with this hope on your own. You can't just conjure up enough good feelings and then now you feel better and all of a sudden the situation's fixed. You can't, but it comes from God. He can make you new. He can create something new inside of you. And then it says it's a living hope, a living hope. Here's the difference. We're not just talking about hope like, ah, I hope like uh, the Yankees win. Ah, I hope I get something and kind of takes my mind off of it, right? Like maybe you're dealing with something at home. Maybe you're having a real problem with your brother or your sister right now. So you get a new video game and it's like, okay, so for like two weeks, I'll kind of forget about everything that's going on because I got a new video game. But then after two weeks, I'm going to kind of remember that I'm still dealing with this problem. So maybe my parents, I can convince them to get me a new iPad. And then that's cool for like, two more weeks, and then that's old again, right? That's not what we're talking about. It's not a temporary fix. It's a living hope. It's permanent. Peter wrote this because he saw Jesus' life. He saw Jesus die on the cross, and he saw Jesus resurrect from the dead. And so he's like, wait, what I'm talking about right now is not wishful thinking or optimistic thinking. This is a living hope. It can change you. And that's the last part of it. He says it's through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. If you're in church, you've heard that before. Maybe if you're new to church, you haven't heard that. But this whole hope, the whole cornerstone, if you will, of this hope, that's the song that we just sang, the cornerstone is Jesus, Christ alone. That's where it comes from. It's a hope that comes from God. It's a hope God can change you. It's a living hope, and it's because of Jesus' resurrection on the cross. Sometimes, if if you've been in youth group or you've been in church, sometimes we've already heard that, so it kind of doesn't mean anything to us. We're like, yeah, Jesus beat death. Sure, okay, I get it. But when you understand the resurrection, when you understand that Jesus actually did that, that he died, was dead for three days, buried, and then (laughs) came back from the dead, when you understand the fact of the resurrection, and then when you understand that it has power for your life, it changes you completely from the inside out. It changes how you live. The resurrection has the power to impact every area of your life and give you hope in your greatest fears. It can shine a light in the deepest darkness in your life. I think so often what most of us do is we compartmentalize it, though. We come to youth group and we're like, all right, cool, God, Jesus, church, like, I believe and then, like, you go home and you're like, crap, like, now I got this problem. You go to school, you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm still dealing with this right now. Maybe you get a text like I did in Guatemala. You're like, Jesus, I believe in you. Oh, my gosh, I'm freaking out. And we kind of, like, compartmentalize. We make it like, well, sure, I believe about Jesus when I'm over here and that makes sense. But over here now I have these real problems. And, like, you know, we, we kind of, like, don't connect those things. And so in order for us to experience this kind of hope, that's what we've got to do. We've got to make that connection. We've got to make a choice. We have to choose hope. Psalm 33, 20, it says this, we put our hope in the Lord. He's our help and our shield. In him, our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. We've got to choose this hope. So that means whatever circumstance you're facing, you've got to choose hope. Maybe if you have that fear of approval, like I said earlier, if you're like, man, you care about what people think, you've got to choose hope. You've got to say, you know what, God? If I go to this place and I don't do this thing that everybody wants me to do, I'm at this party, my friends are hanging out, they want me to do this. Like, if I don't do it, yeah, they're going to, like, judge me or they're, like, you're going to give me a hard time or next time they won't invite me. And, yeah, that's, that's annoying to have to deal with. But you know what? Jesus, you didn't compromise. You know what? Jesus, you died and you beat death. Literally, like, no one can say anything that'll affect me. Yeah, yeah, it'll bother me. It'll bother me. But you know what, God? I'm going to go... Based off what you say about me, you say that you love me. You say that you've got a plan for me. You say that you've adopted me. Because Jesus rose from the dead, now I can, I can trust what the Bible says. I can trust what Jesus has said because he's proven he's had the power. Maybe you have a fear of missing out. Maybe you're tempted to compromise in your relationships. But Jesus didn't compromise for you on the cross. Jesus took your sin and death on the cross, and now he's raised to life. 
So now you're like, man, you know what? I'm not going to compromise. Jesus didn't do that for me. You know what? I'm worth more. Jesus died for me. I'm worth more than just getting into whatever relationship I can get into. Maybe you have a fear of the unknown. You don't know what the future holds. Maybe you're scared of what something is going to turn out, or you're scared of change, and you're like, God, like, how could I really handle this? But you know what? Even though you don't know what the future holds, you can trust the one who holds the future. Jesus, he's conquered death. Because of the resurrection, it changes how we live, and we can have a living hope in our lives. And so back to that Guatemala story, Rebecca's family, the update, they're totally fine. Everyone's fine. Her brother Chris, he's fine. Uh, <laughs> he's totally fine. Rebecca's mom, she's fine. And me, I'm, I'm okay. Like I, I was panicking and all, but like I'm okay. I'm fine. I made it back. Everyone's good. But even before Rebecca's family knew, they didn't know it was going to turn out fine. They didn't know it was going to turn out okay. But even in the midst of that kind of news and that kind of scary event happening, they had hope. They had hope. They're like, man, I'm not happy about this. These circumstances aren't good. I don't want this, and I don't know if I have any power to change it. But you know what? I'm going to trust in God. Jesus has beaten death. So you know what? If this is happening, if I can't change it, maybe God's got a plan. Maybe he's trying to do something right now. I can trust You know, if that kind of thing happened and, like, I wasn't a Christian, if I didn't believe in Jesus, you know what that would do? I would just panic. If I was in Guatemala or wherever I was, I'd have absolutely no power, no control, no peace, no hope. I'd be like, crap, he's in the hospital. Like, I I have nothing to do. I have nothing to offer. I just, now it's just, I'm more anxious about what's going on. But when you follow Jesus, if you place your hope and your trust in Jesus, man, now I know. You know what, God? You've got it all. You hold it together. Even though this isn't what I want, God, I know maybe you have something. God, you, what, you are greater than what I'm facing right now. So I have hope, God. You are, you've conquered death, which means you've conquered the greatest thing that I can face. And you know what's cool, too? I'll just throw this in there. You can pray also as, as a follower of Jesus. If you believe in God, man, like, I can pray about this. I got a text earlier this week about somebody who was in the hospital. And I was like, if I wasn't a Christian, I'd be like, Man, that sucks. I don't know what to do about that. But instead, you know what I did? I prayed. I had a half hour break, and so I prayed for this person, and thankfully they're doing okay. And so that's what's wonderful about us, so that we have that option. So uh, we know the one who holds all things in his hand. So we've been talking about being charged. We said if you get 100% with God, you can get 100% and everything else. And so hope is how we can stay charged. Hope is how we can stay charged. Even when we have fears and anxieties and things come our way, situations that we didn't choose or that we don't want, we can have a living hope through Christ Jesus. So let me pray for you guys, and then, and then we'll just go to small group. So we'll, we'll kind of get right to it. God, thank you for your love. Thank you so much that we can come to you and trust you. Thank you that we can have hope because of what you've done for us, Jesus. We didn't deserve it, God. You just loved us so much, and you, and you took care of it for us, God. So thank you that even though we have fears, we don't have to let them control us. God, instead, we can have hope in you because you've defeated death. You've resurrected from the grave, Jesus. Help us not to compartmentalize our faith and our problems, God, how we disconnect those things. Help us, help us to connect them, God, to fuse them together, to choose hope, even when our situations may feel hopeless or fearful. Remind us of what you've done for us, God. Help the truth of your resurrection change every part of our lives. And I just want to read this prayer over you guys. It's Romans 15, 13. I want to read it for you. I pray that God, the source of all hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
God, we pray these things. We ask that you would be with us the rest of tonight as we talk about it, Lord. Be with us in your name. Amen.